0: I love my church. Well, you guys can go ahead and be seated. I might get you up a little bit later, do some, you know, fill in where Tim leaves off, you know, up, down, clap down, up, down. I'm like, man, I did like 300 squats in church today. Yes, this is good. Well, getting this opportunity to speak, I was so excited about, you know, I love my church and the series. And I was thinking about it And one of the weeks that I get this opportunity to speak is I I started thinking about it, thinking, what can I call this? And I started thinking about Undaunted Faith being the title, Undaunted Faith. And I'm like, well, what does that mean? Well, I'm gonna share with you what that means. I woke up this week, I've been praying about, like, Lord, you know, what do I share? You know, I know what the topic is, but you know, it's the same topic, but God, what do you want your people to hear? What do you want your sons and your daughters to hear? to hear this week. And I woke up and God's like, there's your story. And I'm like, ooh, that one's good, I like that one. I learned, I learned that as a kid. So I was so excited to share you this story, with you this story. And we're gonna find it in Mark today. Now this story is in what they call the synoptic, syn, synoptic gospels, whew. Don't say that if your mouth is dry like mine is, I'm saying too much, Ryan. But what that means is breaking it down is this story is found in Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Now, if Jesus tells us the same story three times, I think he's trying to be like, hey, guys, woohoo! This story is important. I want you to know what this story's about. I want you to learn from this story and to grow from this story. So we're, I chose Mark because I just thought that it, um, I like the way it told the story. I'm gonna be reading out of the um, NLT and um, the New Living Translation, but it's found in Mark 2. I'm gonna start reading in verse 1. It says here, Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later. Now Capernaum was his home, so Jesus came home. He's like, Jesus returning home several days later. And the news spread quickly that he was back home. They're like, man, Jesus is back. Soon the house, somebody say the house. The house. Come on, the house. The house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. Man, when Jesus is moving, when Jesus is in the midst, man, it gets packed out, doesn't it? Man, people had heard the stories. People had experienced the miracles. And they're like, man, Jesus is back. We want some more of that. So while he was preaching God's word to them, isn't it funny for us, like speaking God's word, but Jesus was preaching God's word to them? <laughs> like it kind of interesting, listen up guys, I got a word to share with you. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. That's when you're thankful for some strong friends. You know what I'm saying? Some friends who've been hitting the gym, it's not gonna, you're not gonna be scared they're gonna drop you off the mat as they're lowering you down. So then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus and seen their faith, the friend's faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, Now remember, they're just thinking, maybe they were thinking out loud, but I mean, it says thinking, they thought to themselves. What is he saying? This is blasphemy, only God can forgive sins. But Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. Jesus knows exactly what we're thinking. Jesus knows what's going on at all times. He's with us, he knows us. He asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven or stand up, pick up your mat and walk? So I will prove to you that the son of man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up. I like to say immediately. (laughs) And immediately the man jumped up grabbed his mat. Can you imagine? He's like, oh yeah, check me out now. And walked out through the stunned onlookers. I mean, their faces are probably like, what in the world? There's a hole in the roof. And now here's this guy, he doesn't even on the mat, he's carrying the mat. They were all amazed and praise God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Man, as I read this and I thought, man, Friends don't leave friends behind, do they? They bring their friends to Jesus. And these friends, man, these friends are really good friends. Let's go back because I wanted to read it to you so you could get the whole story and then go back and kind of break it down. So here you go, they get to this house, the friends get to the house and it's so packed. I mean, it's standing room only. I mean, if you can't, even, if they're not even allowing you to get close to the windows or the doors, you know it's a packed house. <laughs> they're like, you can't hear, you can't see. And then these friends thought to themselves, man, how can we get our friend to Jesus? They didn't let obstacles, they didn't let limitations, they didn't let what people said deter them. They let nothing stop them from formulating a plan to bring their friend to Jesus. And that's why I said, that's why I said undaunted faith. I wanna read this to you. Undaunted. Undaunted means not intimidated or discouraged. You think it was hot and sweaty that day? Carrying, carrying a grown man? A paralyzed man, who a man who couldn't do anything, he was at the mercy of his friends. So here they walked all day carrying him, and then when they get there, they're like, "Sorry," well, what about this? Oh, sorry. Well, what about that? Sorry. They were not intimidated. Intimidated. They were not discouraged by difficult or even danger or disappointment. So then they came up with an idea: Let's go up to the roof. Now I'm wondering at this time the paralyzed man was like, what do I have to lose at this point? <laughs> I mean, really, okay guys, you've taken me to see Jesus, but now you're carrying me up on this roof. And now they're digging a hole. They're like, trust us. We've been friends with you for a long time. Just trust us. We're gonna lower you over. We got you. We got your back. I'd be like, I don't know if you got my back or not. So there they go, they start digging. They, they dig on this roof and it says in scripture, if you, if you read, the roofs were made a lot of time of mud, of grass, and then there's tile. So it was layers and layers. So imagine them digging. Is there any gardeners out there or people just dig up unwanted stuff in their yard? I'm the only one. Nobody else has ever dug anything up here. I dug up a sago palm once. Let's just say we had a come to Jesus meeting. I mean, I, like, I think Tim ended up giving me like an ax or something. I was like, and he's like, children, walk away, walk away. Mommy, I'm like, this sego palm will not have the best of me. And then I held it up like Goliath at the, the head of the, you know, the root system of it. I'm like, look at this. Yeah, I'm like, the kid's are like, wow, mommy, mommy. I'm, run for mommy. But when you dig in the dirt, what happens? It gets dirty. It gets messy, it's not, it's not a clean job. I mean, you are filthy. That pedicure I got when I was digging out that Sago Palm two days earlier, it had, it was baba. I mean, everything was gone. I mean, you are covered in dirt head to toe. And that's what these men were willing to do to bring their friend to Jesus. So there they start digging on the top of the roof and pieces are coming off and like little, you know, moving tiles. Can you imagine in there sitting there listening to Jesus and all of a sudden you're like, something's on my head. Something's like, and then they look up and they're like, The roof's caving in. Nope. And then they see an opening bigger and larger. And they're like, there's two men's head. Whoa, somebody's coming down through the roof. And there they go, dropping their friend, not dropping him, lowering him slowly. But he may have felt like they were dropping him. (laughs) Maybe his first prayer to Jesus that day. They dropped him. And I love when they dropped him right in front of Jesus. No other place to be but in front of Jesus. Jesus. I wonder if the urgency they felt to get him to Jesus was maybe because they had experienced Jesus themselves. Maybe they had experienced it, imagine that with me. Or they had heard all the stories and they thought, what if, what if our friend doesn't bother us, he's not too dirty, he's not too crippled, he's not too, he's not too heavy, anything and everything to bring my friend to Jesus. And that is what they did that day. And then it says, of course, when they get there, Jesus looks at him and says to the paralyzed man in verse five, he says, seeing their faith, the faith of friends. Sometimes don't we need those friends around us to see it before we can even see it for ourselves? Maybe they help the paralyzed man on the mat. You can walk again. You You can run again. Do you think that he believed it or do you think that their faith, they're like, man, we believe it, we've seen it, we've experienced it, experienced it, let's just get you to Jesus. So seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Now what? Wait a second, Jesus. I mean, you can see I'm on a mat, I can't walk, I'm paralyzed, I'm crippled, crippled I'm incapable of doing anything for myself. But Jesus knew that he had a need even greater than not walking again. He had a need of having his sins forgiven. And so he met the need first of his heart, the need of his heart that he needed a savior and his name was Jesus. And then after he saved him, then Jesus says, okay, I gave you the greatest gift of salvation, but now I want you to pick up your mat and walk. Man, can you imagine him going out, skipping a little, hopping a little, grabbing his mat, being like, you never believe what just happened to me. I was up on the roof, thought I was gonna die. Then I'm lowered through the roof and then boom, here I am. They'll be like, I don't know what, you are smoking or drinking, but I'm just telling you what, I mean, that's some crazy stuff. But that's what Jesus does because he wants to put us in a place where we only, we can depend on him. Where we, he can only give us what we need at that moment, and then we're like, I don't know what, but Jesus. I I don't know what was happening, but Jesus. You know, as as I was reading the story and studying, and you know, I was like, you know, friends don't leave friends behind. And having undaunted faith, and I had to do some evaluations in my own life. I'm like, where in my heart, Lord, have I had enough faith in my heart for even Jesus to see my heart and be like, man, because of your faith, this person. When's the last time I've been willing to walk up to a roof, start digging in the mud, start digging in the dirt, leaning over, not even knowing if I'm gonna perish and lowering my friend to Jesus. When's the last time I've done that? Because found people find people. When Jesus has given you the gift of salvation and has rescued you, Why would you not wanna share that with other people? Why would we not wanna share that? And I think so many times, especially for me, like just thinking about it, like this last year of almost like complacency. It's just like, oh, well, I'll do this, but oh, that's a little too much. And man, I don't wanna get anybody riled up because we know what happens when that, you know. There's so much. But Jesus said he's willing that none should perish. Friends don't leave friends behind. I wanna share a story with you. Some of you may have heard it, some of you may have not. And I was thinking about, you know, story, like what's a modern day story that, you know, I could share with people. You know, this is Bible times, but what's now? And I thought of a time when I had a community group, women's community group in my home, and I had a group of women, we started going through the book, The Circle Maker, and believing God for impossible things. And one of the girls, Michelle, was coming to my group and at the end, you know, we'd all share prayer requests. And she said, I want you to pray for my friend. I want you to pray for my friend. Like our kids are friends, and so that makes us friends. She doesn't know Jesus. And I want to believe that she will come. I've tried to invite her, but it's been a no. Just pray with me. So, I mean, we circled and we prayed and we believed. Still excuses, nothing but we didn't give up and neither did Jesus. So here we were at the beginning of a, one of our um, church fasts that we were doing and we had you know, gathered together like staff team and core team. We were meeting at McGuire's you know, for the last supper. I don't know, I guess we're probably trying to live off the heartburn for a couple of days while we were thinking about food or something, who knows. But here we are at McGuire's and you know, Tim is you know, vision casting of what are we believing God for in this fast? What do you want God to do in this season? Like, what are you believing him for? And we've been praying for our friend and all of a sudden we get a phone call and it was my friend, Michelle. And she said, my friend Shalem said that she will be with me at church on Sunday. Pray she doesn't have an excuse and she won't back out. So Tim, we stopped, we prayed. We're like, God, this is one that we're dedicating this fast to Shalem. We are dedicating this fast to Shalem. And you're like, well, Shalem person, Shalem was a Muslim. Her faith and our faith were completely opposite. She didn't even know that she needed Jesus at this moment. She didn't even know that she had a need. So we prayed, we were ready she came to church that day, so excited. She came, and after church, her um, I can't. I was probably in kids at that time. She uh, lined to Tim. She looked at Tim. Shalem looked at him and says, "I need Jesus now." I'm telling you what. And Tim, knowing that we had fasted, we had prayed. She was. We had we prayed for her in our group. He looked at our friend Hannah and he goes, go find my Steph- uh, go find Stephanie, go find her. And he's like, hold on Shalem, I'm gonna take you to Stephanie. So Tim gave me that opportunity. We took Shalem to the only open like private space we had at that time in Gulf Breeze Middle School. And that was the janitor's closet. So here we are with a mop bucket in a corner, brooms here, a desk probably since 1950. And this, in Shalem, I got the opportunity to lead her to Jesus. And I'm telling you, I don't know who was crying more in that room that day. And I was like, isn't this a picture of our Jesus? Here we are in a dirty janitor's closet, a symbol of what we are apart from Jesus. And he makes all things new. That's a great story in itself, but it doesn't stop there. And that's why I want to share her story with you. See, friends don't leave friends behind. And found people, find people. You don't want to just keep the light. You want to share the light. So Shalem I invited her to my women's group. I'm like, you have gotta come to my community group. She's like, I don't know anything about the Bible. Like, I've got to learn. She's like, baby. She goes, baby, baby, you gotta help me. I'm like, girl, I will help you. Come on. So in group, she said, I want you to pray for my mother. My mom is Muslim as well and she lives with me. And then she opened up a little bit more and said, actually, she goes, I haven't told her that I've received Jesus yet. She says, pray that God gives me the boldness to share with her what I did and to read my Bible publicly in front of her and not hide in my bedroom. And I thought, man, it gives me God bumps. Are we willing to hide in our own home do you know what I'm saying? To get the gospel inside of us and then to have somebody else pray for you that you would be bold to lead your Muslim family to Jesus? Um, I can't remember the exact timeline. We had the opportunity um, after Shalem gave her life to Christ, her kids came to Christ and we had the opportunity to baptize them at one of our beach baptisms. You may be able to see the um, picture. I have a couple pictures here to share with you. But at her beach baptism, she goes, one day, my mom's gonna be here. My mom's gonna be doing this. Well, Shalem, because of her boldness and of her faith, God kept opening doors. And someone reached out to her and said, hey, I heard you're a converted Muslim. Would you be willing to help me with this online group? This online group today has over 100,000 members from Middle East. You have Muslims, Hindu, Buddhist, all other religions and Shalem gets to proclaim the gospel to these people <laughs> weekly. The power of one invite. And it just doesn't stop there. It doesn't stop there. Friends don't leave friends behind. So Shalem called us probably, I don't know, maybe a year, maybe two. I feel like 2020 was like a time warp. I'm not sure what year we're in yet. Um, but she called us and said, baby, you're never going to believe it. I was like, girl, tell me some good news. She goes, my mom accepted Jesus. Will you and Pastor Tim meet us at the beach and baptize my mom. So there we were baptizing her mom Two converted Muslims who are reaching Middle East for Jesus. Now, her mom doesn't speak a lot of English. She'll just smile and squeeze me. And I'm like, I love you, mama. She's like, smiles at me, but it's priceless. Just this coming up Monday, Shalem and her husband, Michael, he's a believer too. Don't want to leave him out of the picture. Shalem and her husband, Michael, send Bibles over to Pakistan. They're like, how, Um, Shalem's originally from Turkey, and she's like, how do we get the gospel or Bibles into another country? So this Monday, they're gonna do another Bible drop, and they have given over 700 Bibles in Pakistan (laughs) and seen multiple people give their life to Christ. Every time I hear her story, and I think about her story, thought, what if Michelle had given up? What if Michelle had taken no for an answer? What if Michelle had been like, oh man, it's hard. It's awkward. She's Muslim. I'm a Jesus follower. What if she'd been like, man, I don't want to make it awkward for our kids and their relationship. No, Michelle was undaunted in her faith and believed God for the impossible. And it wasn't just Salem who life was given to Christ. It's thousands of people. I don't even think she'll know this side of eternity, the people that she has touched for Jesus. Um, Oh, I forgot a little part of her story. I'll I'll back up just a little bit. So she got this job working at the airport. If you flew in, in and out of Pensacola for a few years back, you probably saw her. She, um, one of those transporters, you know, the people, you know, if you've got something wrong, they, you know, get you in a wheelchair, transport you to your destination. She's like, girl, it is perfect. I get them in my chair, then I tell them about Jesus all the way to their terminal. <laughs> and she's like, I try to lead them to Jesus before we get to the terminal. I'm like, hey, she's like, nobody stopped me yet. I'm like, you go, girl. But she had to quit her job. I think it's around a year, maybe a year and a half ago. And the reason why is that she found out that she had cancer. And it was a very rapid cancer. And they're like, you need this treatment. You need this. So we started believing and praying, God, heal. heal our friend. Heal her, Jesus. Look what all she's doing for you. And she looked me in the eye one day and she said, baby, she said, I know Jesus is going to heal me. She said, but right now he wants me to witness to my oncologist." Right now, he wants me to witness to my nurses. Right now, he wants me to witness to anybody and everybody who needs the hope of Jesus. Because I know where I'm going when I die, if I die, but they don't. She goes, this is my mission. And that's exactly what she has done. And I wanna tell you today that she is cancer free and God has healed her. And God used her to minister to a lot of doctors, a lot of nurses, and a lot of people in the hospital. So I wanna ask us, who do we know? Who do we know that we've said no for? Who have we said no that we're like, oh, Jesus, I don't, I don't know. They're, they're a little too dirty, man. Whoo, Jesus, if I hang out around them. Right now, you know who that person is. The Holy Spirit does his job. And he's telling you, hey, Remember this person you gave up on? Hey, you hadn't thought about this person for a while. Have you checked on them lately? Hey, that person that you thought, man, hell will freeze over before They give their life to Jesus. That might be the very person that Jesus wants to use you to reach. Friends don't leave friends behind. Are you gonna have, are we gonna have undaunted faith in this season? How are we gonna fill this church? How are we gonna fill this church? How are, we gonna, how are we gonna build his church? The song we sang about, build your church, build your church. Sorry, Ryan, I can't do it as good as you. I try, but build your church. He's gonna use us. He's gonna use us, he's gonna use our mouths, he's gonna use us to be the, to be the light to shine to those who need him most. Don't be silent. Don't let a world that is crazy right now dim your light, dim your voice, be bold for Jesus. Be daring enough to climb up to a roof to bring a friend to Jesus. And watch that friend flourish. Watch that friend run and deliver Bibles to 700 people. Deliver them to Muslims to reach people who are like, how will they know unless I send someone and it could be you, or it could be a friend that God knows that you need to reach with your testimony. Man, before we close, I've got another story, um, a story of Doug and Steve, an incredible story of how many times the power of an invite, you, you go out of your way to invite somebody, but you never know, just like Shalem, just like Doug and Steve's story, you don't know how the story will end. Only Jesus knows what's going to happen next. Check out my friend's story.
1: Hi, I'm Doug. Hey, I'm Steve. Uh, I've been going to Momentum for about four years, and this is the guy that brought me.
2: And I've been going to Momentum kind of from the start. Tim and I go way back, uh, so I knew him before he came to town here.
1: Yep, I met Doug uh, three days after I moved here. I moved here on a Wednesday. That weekend, they were doing a little bit of a charity cookout. If you know Doug, that's kind of his thing. And uh, the rugby team reached out to me. They knew I wanted to be a part of it. I just moved here, played rugby in my last city. And they said, hey, we're doing this fundraiser. Why don't you come on out? And Doug was one of the first people I met.
2: Yeah, so uh, we we're quick friends. Obviously, had the mutual interest of rugby. Um, so, right away, Steve started coming out training with the team. I believe you're still recovering from an injury. I haven't at the had time. surgery yet. Yeah.
1: yeah, I blew out my ACL right before I moved, so I had to go through surgery and recovery, which was ideal because the team was lacking a little bit of a coaching presence due to the coach getting a new job timeline. He wasn't able yep. to be at training, so I kind of stepped in as an injured player. Uh, Right into that coaching spot with the team and was able to really feed into it Um, Was also going through some really heavy stuff in my personal life and Doug was one of the confidants that I got to tell that to
2: Yeah, so uh, when Steve was first coming out we trained right here at this field and at the time we were parking on the far side over there and uh, We spent many a night post-rugby practice just sitting at the back of the truck uh, Chatting Steve was going through some life change uh, and I got to say, like from the start, it was, it was a lot of listening on my part, not a whole lot of uh, advice or anything, but just mixing in there, you know, like, hey man, you know, like, you ought to come check out my church, I think you'd enjoy
1: it. Uh, he had asked me <laughs> pretty much every Tuesday and Thursday for the first three or four months, and I kept stiff arming it. I was really angry at God for the things that had happened in my life. Um, my now wife, Melanie, was a big part of me coming back to church. She yep. invited me to go to her church as our first date, actually. And after I was <laughs> doing that... Girl. Yeah, smart girl. Doug kept inviting me, kept inviting me, kept inviting me, uh, and then he made me an offer I couldn't refuse.
2: Yeah, when the invite didn't work, I just went with the demand. Uh, (laughs) That's legitimately kind of how it went, right? Like, so I legitimately think there was at least a couple of those times that when he gave me a yes on Thursday night, uh, he had full intentions of coming, and life got in the way in between. But uh, one of our night of worship were coming up, and I knew, you know, kind of what they mean to me. Figured since the invite hadn't really worked, I just went with the, the "you're coming."
1: Showed up, he had a seat. Right in the front row, right in the middle, <laughs> with a couple more of his friends. Uh, we sat down, and that night changed my life. Uh, I remember during one of the songs falling to my knees. I broke down completely. I started crying, uh, and I just felt all this weight wash off my shoulders. And yeah. the next week, I went to Momentum and haven't stopped going since.
2: Now look at this kid now.
1: Yeah, the, the path. You know, one invite to a night of worship gets me going to church every weekend, gets me diving into a surf team and serving on risk management for a few years, and eventually, i becoming a staff member and now I'm the student pastor at Momentum Church all because he decided to keep uh, the gas pedal down and, and make sure that I came out. But the, the amazing part is because Doug brought me, I brought my now wife Melanie, we got married last October, all three of our kids come and uh, complete God thing, you know, rugby is kind of where we, we found our brotherhood and we brought God into that circle too. Praying before games and after games has become commonplace, God is, is in our rugby community and countless rugby players have accompanied us on Saturdays and Sundays and started to come to church as well, yeah. uh, make no mistakes about it. Whether it's the gym, the grocery store, or rugby team, that, that is a pool full of imperfect people that need Jesus. And we saw that need and we've been meeting it ever since. Yep. Um, and then the biggest story of all, uh, you know, I put the invite out on Easter and my ex-wife, came to church with me and my wife and gave her life to Christ and hasn't missed a weekend since. So now my kids get to grow up seeing all of their parents come to church and come together and showing that there is something greater than whatever happened between us. Um, And it's it's really amazing because it's just a God thing.
0: Ooh, so good. Don't let it stop with you. Don't let it stop with you. What if, Doug, thank you for having the boldness to not take no. We know how stubborn Steve can be. But look what God's doing. How Steve is reaching our students for Jesus. How God is using him. How he's restored a relationship. Now the kids have two parents and they're raised with both Christian faith. Only Jesus can do this. Don't keep the faith. I mean, keep. yeah, don't keep it, share it, there we go. Don't keep it to yourself, that's what I'm saying. Keep your faith, but don't just keep it to yourself. Share it. Friends, don't leave friends behind. Who has God put on your heart today? Who has God put on your heart right now that you're like, man, I need to reach out? They need a lifeline. Their, their boat is, is going down pretty quick they look like they're spiraling out of control i remember those moments i remember where i was before jesus and i'm gonna reach out no matter how messy it is i want to be a bringer and i want to help build the church that jesus christ died for build our church i love my church and he's going to use us to build it go ahead and every head bowed and every eye closed and maybe as you've listened to this message, it's like it did for me this week, kind of challenged me. I feel like, Lord, am I just thinking about myself lately and all the the stuff I have going on? Am I being Jesus to those around me? Am I being bold in my faith? Am, Am I keeping inside what you've done for me and not sharing it with others? Maybe you too need to take a moment of reflection and just repent and be like, God, I'm sorry for making this journey about me. It's not me. I don't wanna leave anybody behind. I wanna be a person standing on the, on the corner for the paralyzed man. One of the four corners, being able to carry them to Jesus. I love that about Shalem's story. As all of us were standing there, M- Michelle was standing there, Tim was there, I was there. And we'd all had a part in the story. God wants you to use your voice. Don't let the enemy silence you. Maybe you think, oh, I have really messed up at work, man. I spouted off. Man, I got, I'm a hothead, but Jesus, you know, we can make excuses all day. But if God's speaking to your heart, God said, he resist the proud, but it gives grace to the humble. Where do you need to humble yourself? Maybe you do need to go to a coworker before you share the gospel. Maybe you do need to go to a spouse or an ex or somebody. God's speaking right now, let the Holy Spirit do his job. But I just would love to pray over you, pray over myself. And Lord, use me to build your church. Lord, use me to help share the light of Jesus with those around me that I come in contact with. What if I am the only lifeline? What if I am the only hope? And I keep it to myself. If this, if this message is spoken to you anyway and you feel God tugging at your heartstrings, I want you just to raise your hand. I want to pray over you in this moment. I love that. Jesus, God, I'm right here with my friends. God, I'm right here with my friends. You challenged me, God. I pray right now that a Holy Spirit of boldness will come over us, Jesus. God, you said you have given us a spirit of boldness. And God, right now in the name of Jesus, I declare boldness to my brothers and my sisters in Christ. I pray that this week that they will start seeing the fruit, God. You will give them opportunity after opportunity to share the light of Jesus that's inside of them. God, I pray that you'll give them the opportunity this week to share the story of, but Jesus moment. God, I pray that you'll give them an opportunity this week to have a heart of repentance and maybe make things right. God, you know what's going on in each and every one of our hearts. God, I just thank you for meeting us here. God, I pray that we don't leave this place the same as like a little, a little pick me up, a little like, okay. But God, that we walk out of here changed men and women for you, Jesus. That we will walk with a purpose, that we will walk with a calling, that we will know that you have called us to build your church. Jesus, you are coming back. Help us to live with the end in mind and realize there's an urgency. There's an urgency to not keep it inside. And God, I just thank you for the work that you started. God, you're gonna complete the work inside of their hearts. And I ask all this in your name, Jesus. Amen. You know, we never like to close a gathering without giving people the good news or the gospel. Jesus met the paralyzed man first. He said, your sins are forgiven. The healing was great, but there was a greater need.
1: It was sin.
0: And sin is what separates us from Jesus. But I have good news for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. Jesus shed his blood for you. He died for you. And then he rose again for you so that we don't have to live without him. John three sixteen says, "'For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, "'that whoever believes in him will not perish, "'but have everlasting life.'" If you've never made that decision, to choose Jesus and ask Jesus to come into your life, don't do life alone. Ask Jesus to come into your life. I tell you, it's the best decision you will ever make. He will give you the boldness and he will make you new. He did it for me. And we're going to pray a prayer. And this prayer isn't a magical prayer. It's just you saying, Jesus, I can't do this without you. I need you, Jesus. And we're going to pray it together. Maybe you've prayed this prayer before, but... For some of you, today is gonna be your first day. And the rest of us are gonna pray with you to encourage you on your new journey with Jesus. So go ahead and close your eyes again and say, dear Jesus, I realize that I need you. I realize what you did on the cross for me And I accept the gift of salvation. I don't want to do life without you, Jesus. Today, make me new. In Jesus' name, amen. Look up here. For some of you, I know today is your first day to pray that prayer and we wanna celebrate with you for our online campus. We see people give their life to Christ week after week and we wanna celebrate with you too. We're throwing a party for you. So on the count of three, we're gonna clap, we're gonna cheer and we're gonna celebrate what God has done today. On the count of three if Jesus, you pray the prayer for the first time. I want you to raise your hand loud and proud as we celebrate with you on the count of three. One, two, three.